How we doing everybody? Tim from Ski Rex Media coming at you once again with another podcast episode, another wonderful podcast episode. We're staying in New England again because what else am I going to do? I don't have the time to go traveling right now. I'm saving that for when the snow starts flying. But the beautiful thing about my travel is I don't have to travel far to ski awesome. That's right. I can go right up to road to Whaleback Mountain, my home mountain. I love it there. Small but awesome. They have everything you could ever want in a small package. You want trees? They'll give you trees. You want groomed? They'll give you groomed. You want au naturel? They'll give you that too. And I mean the snow, not not having your clothes on. Just the snow. You want to ski at all? They'll show you where you can get it there. Easiest mountain in the world to get to right off of I-89 in New Hampshire. Exit 16, literally spitting distance from the interstate and one mile from the exit. Whaleback Mountain, ski it to believe it. Uh, today's guest, KJ St. Gillet, man. Have you ever been to Whaleback? Uh, I haven't. I had hoped to get into it like way back in the day. I used to live down in the Manchester, New Hampshire area. Um, and there was a couple of years that Whaleback had opened as a 100% terrain park. I don't okay. know if you remember those days. Um, and it was like on my I'm wish a- list to get there. And I just never had the chance to make it. It's been on my, my hit list for a long time, though. 100% suggested if you can get down there. Because New Hampshire isn't very far. And that's where our guest is from tonight. Yes, KJ is from and is in New Hampshire. And we're going to talk a couple things with KJ. First, we're going to start the way I always do. Why don't you tell them who you are and what you do. And then we'll get into it. All right. So I just want to start out by saying thanks for having me on, Tim. So I've been listening for a while. I've been pumped to finally get the chance to come on and talk to you. Hey, uh, but basically, so thank you for that. I've been, just been stoked all week for the opportunity. Uh, awesome. But what I do, basically, I have two kind of separate but hand-in-hand ski companies that we both run out of Gorham, New Hampshire, which is just north of Mount Washington. I can pretty much see it from my backyard if the trees weren't quite so tall. Um, but my own personal business is KJ's Top Notch Tuning, which I started up uh, basically the year COVID hit. Uh, kind of my gig is I tune skis and snowboards. My big deal is I really love doing the major repairs or like the stuff that ski companies might even warranty your skis for these kind of big deals of a big air bubble in your base or a completely blown out edge. Those mm. kind of skis that are ready for the trash, people can bring them to me and like 99% of the pairs have been able to get back on snow and they've been going for four five, six more seasons after that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's like my bread and butter is those, those really nasty, almost broken skis. I love seeing those ones come in through the door. Um, awesome. Cool, yeah. So that's like one thing for a lot of people though, if they go to shops and since I don't really retail skis, I don't really have that yeah. incentive to sell anything extra. I'm just like, hey, if I can keep your skis going, why not? We all just want to get out in the snow and not spend a fortune on getting gear halfway through the season. Nice. No, that's beautiful. That's wonderful, man. Especially these days where we're hearing the news about the economy taking a wicked dip and, you know, people don't want to spend as much and skiing is already known and snowboarding already known as very expensive sports. And here's a man who's willing to bring your dead skis back to life now we're just about a week out from halloween and i know this is going to air sometime maybe in november maybe in december so maybe halloween and thanksgiving have come and gone but this man will get you back on you take your zombie skis and get you going again right oh exactly i've been really known especially like i said i'm so close to mount washington with like tuckerman ravine and the sherb being so close to here a huge part of my clientele are people that go up and here for the weekend. Um, they're planning on skiing Washington, and maybe they blow an edge out the first day of the weekend. Sure. A lot of times, they can give me a show. I'll go, and I'll actually meet them at the trailhead when they get back down in the afternoon, pick up their broken gear, bring it back to my house, bring it back to life overnight uh, if I have the time for it, like if it's a doable job, and actually get uh-huh. it back to them at the trailhead the next morning when they're ready to roll out again. Holy uh, crap. So, yeah, dude. even... <laughs> So, yeah, even middle of the season, um, no matter what holidays come by, if it's a Saturday, a Sunday, a Tuesday, I pretty much ski during the day. So I'm just a ski bum out there living it. And then every single night, I'm in my my little shop tuning and fixing skis. That's incredible. You can't beat service like that. And you certainly can't find it anymore. Not that I'm saying there aren't people in shops and stuff that do hard work. KJ, your job is hard work. It's dirty. It's messy. It's it, it it takes some bit of skill and talent, right? Oh, definitely. It's been something that like 
not the, the level I'm at now, but I think the first pair of skis I waxed and probably horribly sharpened, but I was about five years old when I really started yeah. tuning my own stuff. Uh, and then ever since then, I've been tuning, working in the ski industry. I worked at Wildcat Mountain for 16 years before I branched off and started my own company. Uh, nice. So I was tuning there for a bunch of years, and it's definitely been a, a skill I've honed over a few decades now. Um, which makes me sound old to say that. But. Uh, that's fine. We're all old here. It's it's okay. Uh, <laughs> we're all dated. I, I tell stories all the time. I'm sure you've heard it. I worked at Mount Snow in high school in the 90s. That puts me at 43, kids. That's what I am. Um, so, man, you, you, again, the service level, that's actually where I was going, is the, that, you, you know, everybody works hard who does this. But to get pickup at the trailhead for, like, people who are going up to Tuckerman Ravine, that that's... That's unique, man. Nobody's doing that. How, 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 I, I guess the fun question is, is how upset are your competitors that you can undercut them like that? Cause that's awesome. You know, honestly, the really cool part is, is I'm actually have connections or pretty close friends with a lot of other tuners and tune shops in my area. Sure. And, um, and it works out so well because like there'll be times that if someone wants like a race tune, if they have a really high end race and they're looking for that extra tenth of a second in their time, mm. I'm not I'm not necessarily that person for the the World Cup race tuning, and I'm the first person to admit that, and I'm happy to send them to to some of the shops I know that are really into that race tuning stuff, and it'll go oh, vice sure. versa. I'll get I'll get calls from some of those other guys like, hey KJ, we got this pair of skis that like. We don't really have the stuff to fix it right now, but you probably can. We want to, we can send them up to you if you want. And honestly, the whole community and the, just the ski industry I've found is so welcoming, even to competitors. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's like we say in the media world, none of us are competitors. We're all friends. We just do it different. That's all we do. Exactly. And I, assuming it's your, yeah, it's the same in your part of the industry as well. So let's get into this. Now, again, it is Octo the end of October now. This episode, as people are listening to it right now in real time, is the end of this November, the beginning of December. Hopefully we want an early season and we're all talking about is anything in the East going to be open before Thanksgiving? Who knows? But I think it's still, we can still talk about early season prep. It's the time. What, what do you got to do to get your skis ready, man? Uh, the biggest thing I'd say is get the rust off, if nothing else. Because you don't really want to be that, that one person that shows up to the lift and you leave those two brown streaks behind you the whole way down. Totally. And it's just like if people can track you all the way to the lodge, it's just not a great look, I feel like, even though you're still having fun and there's nothing wrong with that. But even yeah. just a quick little grind and get the, the rust off. Uh, from the tuner's perspective, even little bits of pitting in the rust will actually decrease your amount of grip you can get in the harder pack substantially even if it mm. still feels like a really sharp edge. Yeah. Um, so when you get down into the nitty gritty, it's actually something that really does help to, to keep the rust away as often as you can. Absolutely. I hate having the rust on mine. I have two pairs I have to get ready here coming up. Um, my the, the vocals that I have, shout out to Tech Rob for those. And then my ski boards that I have been riding since, God, 2002. Let me ask you something, since you're a tuner and you, you've, you've brought zombie skis back from the dead. How long is too long for a pair of skis? Oh, man. I mean, at least personally, like if you were just to come to me as a friend and ask, like, how long should these go for? Mm -hmm. I'd say if they're not broken in half and yeah. you're still having fun on them, keep them going. Nice. Um, there's always the reason where sometimes people want to come to a tuner and get the excuse of like, oh, the professional here said it's time to get a new pair of skis. So if anyone's looking for that doctor's notes, so they can get the new pair of skis like okayed on the budget. Um, I'm more than willing to do that. Um, but yeah, I'd say as far as skis go, if you're having fun on them, keep them going as long as you want. Um, I actually skied a pair last year. I got them in a trade, but they were a pair of wooden skis from the 1940s. And nice. Yeah, there was there 218 centimeters. Holy straight. <laughs> and I mounted them up with some current bindings and I brought them up and I skied the snowfields on Mount Washington with them this past spring. Just to, so what was, just to do it. What was that like? Were you scared? 
<laughs> yeah, I was a bit scared because uh, I had never skied anything that wasn't a, a shape ski. Like I'd never skied sure. anything straight, and definitely nothing way longer than I am tall. Uh, mm. So it was a totally different style of skiing. But just to ski those kind of skis and really get that appreciation for what those guys like in the past days were skiing that same terrain on that those skis is just amazing to think back on. Oh, heck yeah. Those people were animals back in the day. I can't even imagine. I rode 197s for a little while straights back in the 90s because I got them dirt cheap. But uh, they, they were something else compared to the parabolics that I was riding on a daily basis. And uh, I can only imagine what that was like with wood all the way up there. Yeah, like some of the guys like Tony Matt who had won the, the Tuckerman Inferno that year at like a, a five and a half minute time or something like that is just... It's mind-boggling on skis and equipment like that, the old leather boots. <laughs> yeah. So you got them mounted with modern bindings, man. That's amazing. And, and bindings are a mystery to me. And like I say, every week, I go find people who know what they're talking about because I do not. I don't know anything. I've been skiing for a good chunk of my life. I don't know anything. And if I do know it, I can't remember it anyway. So let me tell you a story. I went... Uh, the quick version is I bought new boots. The boots were so different in size, in the length, that my old bindings couldn't, they would have had to be remounted. Now, they're old. The pair, it's a pair of Dina, the, the skis are Dina Star Troublemakers from God only knows when. The bindings from the same time, a set of markers. My usual shop, shout out to Henderson's down here in Queechy. Believe me, I'm thinking I'm going to start taking my ride up to Gorham and just let KJ do my skis from now on. It's worth the trip. Plus, that's beautiful country to drive through out there. I mean, for real. It, it is a great trip up. That's for sure. Oh, it is. It's beautiful driving around out there. I love it. But, uh, they, they couldn't, they couldn't do anything with the binding because it was too old. Again, the question is, and I understand why there's liability. There's everything else. Would you consider doing it? So that's the thing at the time right now where I'm still such a small shop, um, the mm -hmm. amount of revenue and stuff I make to get the insurance to even work on bindings is more mm -hmm. than I make in the whole year. So it's sure. something I like even right now, my own, since they're my own personal ones, I'll mount, um, but I technically can't even touch bindings for anyone right now. Unfortunately, Got I pretty it. much just, just stick to the bases and edges. Um, but okay. to speak on that, on that kind of point you were talking about, um, it's one of those a lot of times, probably nine out of 10 times with those bindings that aren't on the, the indemnified list is what they call it. Mm. Um, and that's a, a list that each manufacturer of bindings puts out every season, basically stating which of their models they stand behind. Okay. And if, um, so the shops will have that list on hand. And if your binding happens to not be on that list, uh, they technically can't work on it. Interesting. And, and it's one of those where nine times out of 10, even if the binding is not on that list, most everything in it's still going to function properly. But sure. it's that one out of 10 that really worries you kind of just if you're, if you're driving in your car and one out of 10 times your airbag blows up without you hitting into anything. It's yeah. not the greatest, not the greatest statistic. And it's kind of the same with the bindings where once it gets to that point, they're worried that occasionally something could go wrong. Whereas the newer ones are the ones that they still stand behind. Like the, the look pivots. Those have been around for God knows how, when, how long. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those are the super solid binding. They've been standing behind them. And even if you had a pair from the seventies of that same pivot binding, they'd still yeah. work on it at a shop. Um, Interesting. See, I wasn't fully, cause I kind of saw it coming and again, I'm thinking of it in terms of safety liability. Um, you know, we, we all know what that is. You never know when a lawyer is going to pop up out of the woodwork and nail somebody or somebody's going to get hurt or worse. So, but again, because I didn't know, I went and asked my local shop. I was in a pinch. I was like, dude, can you, these need, I can't just adjust them. They have to be remounted. They're like, we can't touch them. I was like, all right, thanks. And I went running out to figure out a way around that. Um, not that I used it again, tech Rob come through and scooter come through that season. Uh, let me borrow and, uh, bum skis off them. Good peoples, man. Awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. I haven't rid my own skis in a whole year. It's wonderful. Except for the ski boards. I love ski boards. Um, I love my ski boards. Um, so there is more to it than just the liability thing. It's the whole thing from the manufacturers. As you were saying, is there more to it than that? 
Uh, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I feel like it all really boils down to probably still the liability for the manufacturers. Sure. Um, but also just as someone I've blown my knee out a, a couple of times and it, mm-hmm. it sucks being laid up for the whole winter. So as far as like blowing your knee out goes, it's worth buying the new set of bindings, even if it's every handful of years. Just yeah. to not have to worry about those kind of things because knee injuries suck, man. <laughs> Oh, totally. I get it, dude. I just came out of physical therapy. I think I'm ready. Are you ready? I am. I say last season I was out almost all season with a shattered ankle. So this year I'm I'm strong. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm I'm pumped to get back into it. Awesome. Now, if you go and follow uh KJ, KJ's top notch tuning on Instagram, you can see he's out there. Again, we talk about this when I talk to different people. Um, and you've heard me say it like this person legitimately does it. They're out there. They're skiing. They're ski bumming. Um, KJ's put up pictures of going uphill out in the Mount Washington area, the greater Mount Washington area, skiing with the family. Dude, like you're out there living the New Hampshire dream. I am. And that's pretty much what I've like tried to center my life around since I was a young teenager was kind of just living that mm-hmm. ski bum life. And sure. somehow it's been working out for me for the last 20 years now. But yeah, like nice. I pretty much I I ski like my son Bentley. He's eight years old. He skis with me all the time, uh, so he gets probably thirty or forty days a season, the average, uh, which is amazing for a kid that age. Heck um, yeah! Like we got a poster in my kitchen. I'm looking at right now that we skied. It was two seasons ago, but at Wildcat, the a little bit of patch of the snow that was left on June 11th, and Bentley was up mm. there skiing in shorts and a tank top with us. Um, yeah. So like the whole family's out there. My father, uh, he taught me how to ski along with my mom, but my dad's on ski patrol. He's the, the head of ski patrol at Wildcat Mountain. So he's okay. out there skiing. He gets a hundred plus, 120 plus days a year, something like that, just while at work. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm similar. I think the last couple of years, well, last year, like I said, I was out most of the year, but I've been averaging about 130 to 140 days on snow every winter for the last 10 to 15 years. That is insane. I couldn't even imagine attempting that anymore. Not to say I wouldn't, but I'm also not afraid to pull the plug if I can't make it. Like, let's be honest. I'm a wuss and I don't lie about it. Um, yeah, out there you can get a long season because you're not just doing wildcat on the trails. You get, again, you mentioned Tuckerman Ravine. Uh, do you do other like out of bounds backcountry type things too? I do, yeah. And like the last couple of years, especially with the lack of natural snow we've had, it mm. seems like kind of an odd time to get into backcountry more. But I found I could kind of just go exploring in the local areas and find a few good turns here and there that never get touched by anybody. So even That's in the, awesome. the lack, yeah, like it was great. Even in the lack of snow the last few years, it was hardly a day that I didn't get something fresh and over my boots, which just is that always a great feeling as a skier to have that soft snow. Just around you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. It was. It's been a rough couple of years. Um, you know, prelim- preliminary reports say we're in for it this year. Colorado just opened. Minnesota's been open. You know, it's, it could be a good year. And hopefully the White Mountains will be the same. And uh, it's, again, it's beautiful up there. If you've never been up there, go up there. Even if you don't ski, go up there and check it out. It's gorgeous up there. So since you do your own, do you ever find yourself doing it on the fly? Like just giving yourself a quick tune, like, all right, I know the snow is this, that, and the other. So I'm just going to do this in the trunk of my car real quick. And then I'm going to go like, that's a great advantage. I would imagine. I do occasionally. And for the most part, I'll do it like with my edges. If I happen to hit a rock or some chunk of something and get a big burr on my edge, I do usually carry like a diamond stone in my pocket so I can just get rid of those burrs pretty much right on the trail. Um, nice. But I'm honestly like, it's one of those, I'm one of those walking contradictions in this kind of thing. So I was almost fearing that you were going to bring it up, but uh, <laughs> so kind of my, my own personal thoughts on tuning my own skis is I really don't tune my skis. Okay. Uh, and some, some people say it's because I have the Saint business, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, I'm sure of making my own skis, but totally. it's more just always, it's more just always been my style that I don't really want to spend that extra time of working on my skis or having someone else work on my skis. I'd kind of rather just go out and be on them and enjoy the snow. 
because I'm I've totally. always been more the the hangout in the parking lot kind of guy, and not so much like the the bar scene or the apres scene too much. I've always been a little more keep to myself or hang out in the party lot kind of scene. So like I was never sure. really down in the tune shops too much, and when I was working in the tune shop, I was trying to get customer stuff done instead of my own, and I was kind of just like, hey. I'm still having fun on it without putting too much effort into my skis. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of just roll with that. And usually, honestly, once a season, I'll wax them. And every now and then, I'll, I'll take the burrs off the edge. But that's pretty much all I do for my own skis, which I'm always kind of embarrassed to say as a tuner. <laughs> but that's kind of interesting, though, because you're making it work. So, you know, what... Because we have the recommendations, you have the, with the guidelines and different rules of thumb, and then everybody has a different one. The manufacturers has one, the veteran has one, the race people have a you know a guideline. Now you have your own personal guideline. I, I I find it completely amazing, and it's one of the reasons I don't touch my own. Like I pay someone to do that because, again, I have no clue what's going on. I I just don't know. And it's definitely one of those ones where like. I'm all about people tuning at home and I'm always more than welcome to give advice or show people how to do that kind of stuff because I just think it's cool that people are getting into their gear and wanting to learn about it. Sure. But it is super, like, it can be super easy to really mess up a pair of skis with some pretty basic tuning equipment that you could have at home. Mm. Which in those cases where like, if you're not too sure about the stuff, I'd say either just call someone up like me or stop in at your shop and just ask them. Cause most people are totally cool. with just talking shop and how to do stuff or even yeah, YouTube yeah. these days. There's so many options if you want to do your own stuff, but there's oh, yeah. definitely no comparison where if there's some kind of an actual issue that you're having where you like, it just doesn't feel the same as it used to, or last year they felt like they performed a little bit different. That's when, if you brought it into a professional, you can kind of explain those little nuances and they'll be able to pick up on on what's actually going on and we can make those little adjustments to get it back to how you really like to feel on your skis. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, and, and that's wonderful. Always talk to a pro, talk to someone who knows what they, what they're talking about. Um, again, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I have looked at some of like the YouTube videos, for example, and, uh, I, I see how to do it. I know again, shout outs again to tech, Rob and scooter, big time ski Rex media fans and friends, and they do their own stuff. And, you know, I, I'm watching them and I'm like, all right, I, <laughs> you're a level ahead of me. But the thing is, what's really cool. If you look at KJ's Instagram, he's put up like you said, you like to do some of the gnarly repairs and, you know, simple tuning, waxing. I've seen some of the stuff he's done, like just fixing. God, what, what? I can't remember exactly what pair and when, but I think it was a video that it just looked like the whole stick was just separating along the side. And somehow you made it look right. Yeah, that pair was, that one actually came in just like a week or two ago. Uh, and it was only the second pair of skis that I've ever seen do that exact type of thing. And basically the, yeah. the whole top sheet, the whole top sheet delaminated from the core in a way that when you mm. flexed the ski, you could actually look from one side to the other. Like I was able to pass a pencil through the inside of the ski between the core and the top sheet. And that one, it was basically just like a bunch of epoxy and kind of putting stuff back together and plugging the, the binding holes and happened to all be right where the binding mounted on. Um, which mm. luckily with that one, the, the core itself, like the wood core, which is the main base of the ski of what they're all built out of, that was still completely intact and solid. Uh, so he wasn't yeah. risking any, any like solidness or any structural integrity by that. We were kind of just putting the, the top sheet back on for, for looks and so that way he wasn't flapping around like a pair of wings on a bird as he was skiing down the hill. Um, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> Man, I, uh, yeah, that, that was a good one. And I think I've seen you do tons of just divots taken out of the bottom. And we've all been there, um, especially for late season or awful season when rocks are sticking up and we just, you know, there's a chunk, there's a chunk, there's a chunk. I saw you replace a couple of those too. And I was surprised. I didn't know that was a thing either. Yeah, lots and lots of those. Um, I got really good at that by being around Washington and Wildcats, just a very rocky area. So I got sure. tons of practice just over the years with that kind of stuff. 
And yeah. those ones were like, even just from the, another tuner's perspective for the listeners out there that might not know a ton about when it's good to fix it or how much you need to do. Um, yeah. if you're like a racer, and again, if you're looking for that hundredth of a second advantage, if you get a little scratch in your base, it's worth bringing that into a professional and getting that like base welded and you'll make that just disappear and be back to a completely flat base looking like it's fresh out of the plastic off the showroom floor. That's but for nine, and it looks beautiful, but for like 99% of people, if you just get a, a scratch in your base and it's still the same color as the base material, which would normally be black on low skis or somewhere different colors and stuff, if mm. it's still that same color, um, you might lose a tiny bit of speed if you're racing, but if you're just skiing, you're really not going to notice Real, almost any difference on that as long as it's not protruding down into the where it's going to hit in the snow sure so really at that point like the divots you were talking about like the the full core shots is what most people will call them where you can see the mm. white of the core inside yeah, that's when it's yeah. really those ones like those are like the badge of honor almost you get a core shot and you're like all right now these skis are broken in i can not have to worry about them too much <laughs> um it's how i see them like i've always said your skis are there to protect your feet from the rocks um, yep, that's they do a exactly great job of that. <laughs> they do. It's it's very interesting when you talk about the really heavy repairs. I feel like it's it's very similar to the folks out there who rebuild and restore cars. You know, people see these things sitting in a junkyard like, well, it's just a hunk of metal now. Someone else comes along and is like, no, that's a car. So I'm going to make it a car. Similarly to what you've seen, some of the, and again, you've posted some of these these repairs. It's like people look at it like, well, that's scrap, but you're like, nah, dude, I got this. Yeah, I love that. Like I, I do. I look at it almost like an art form when I'm doing it, which is why I love those big repairs. It really gets me thinking about things and problem solving. And it is really just it's satisfying to see something go from that pretty much in the trash state to, to someone sending me a picture of it, of them shredding somewhere a week later on that pair of skis. It's just like, yeah, we brought it back and they're, they're getting joy and bringing joy to people again. And, that's so cool, scene. man. I think you might actually have a second calling as a restorer. Maybe not necessarily for stuff to be skied, but what if, you know, people use them for decor? Like some people take their old, like I have a friend, he has old boards. He'll nail it right up on the wall, old snowboard. If you could, it doesn't have to be junk though. You can completely restore it and still use it as artwork. I, I, I think that's a whole other niche business there. I could be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> no, I like that idea a lot. I've seen a ton of people that make wine bottle holders and coat racks out of old skis and snowboards and stuff. And it mm -hmm. would be super cool to actually like restore some of those really old, beautiful ones to to full original look and then turn them into focal pieces like that. Oh yeah. Especially be... someone who... Yeah. Especially someone who has something cool kicking around, like an original snurfer or you know, something you just don't see. Yeah, and every now and then you come across someone that has those kicking around in their garage for the last 30 years, and they're like, oh, I'm just going to throw this thing out. And you're like, no, do you know, no, do you know what you have there? Like, don't, don't throw it out. They'll buy it off you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, I'm not going to give you a mill for it, but <laughs> I'll buy right, it I don't from you, man. I don't want to see it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, totally. Basement finds, man. Let me tell you something, people out there. Basement finds, junkyard finds, garage finds, barn finds. It's not just cars. You can find anything. Those dudes on that show, American Pickers, made a whole business out of it. Ski World is the same, clearly. So KJ has been alluding a couple times. He alluded to a, a, another business. Now, I'm going to tell a quick story and give another shout-out. Uh, to our boy Tully out there, also in New Hampshire, and he shoots over to Maine skiing. Tully and his boys, you know, love those guys out there, ski with them at Jay Peak. And uh, he was telling us a story about how he was on a lift with someone who was telling him about Saint Skis. That was their custom ski manufacturer coming out of New Hampshire. We all said, that's cool. Who knew they were there? Because I didn't, a lot of us didn't know. Um, but custom ski, handmade ski, awesome. So we said, Tully, that's great, man. Are you going to hit him up, blah, 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 this, that, and the other? We talked about it. So I was like, gee, I would like to talk to a person from over there. Couldn't get it done at first. Come to find out, 
The man right here, KJ, is part of that. Let him know what it's about, man. Yeah, so like you were saying, uh, it's another company that we have right here in Gorham, New Hampshire. Uh, and it's called St. Custom Skis and Snowboards. Basically, our deal is we use everything, all materials as locally sourced as possible. Everything is completely from the United States. Uh, I believe, unless I'm speaking wrong for a second, everything we get except for the graphics that are printed out come from in New England. Uh, nice. For the whole, for the whole ski, especially like the wood core. Uh, we were talking a lot about cores a few minutes ago. That stuff all comes from the former lift me- head of lift mechanics at Wildcat, John Ginter. Uh, so we nice. can basically show you the tree that got cut down to build your pair of skis, which is, doesn't oh, really wow. get much more local than that. Yeah. No. So our little, our little slogan for it is Ginterwood, uh, which is when you get the, the Ginterwood skis, they're, they're as local as they get. Um, which is, I think is super cool. Uh, that's totally um, cool. And I, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it's something that like a lot of our friends and family know and kind of like you were saying, a ton of people haven't heard of us because we've really never dumped any money into marketing. It's been all word of mouth pretty much by talking to people on chairlifts, which is how we yeah. met Tully. Um, and it's funny you mentioned him. I'm actually, I was working on a pair, set of graphics for him. We're talking to him about making some skis right now. Uh, and awesome. That's what I was working on just as I was coming on this podcast with you today. Uh, so it's Excellent. a small world that you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> Love Tully, man. That's great. Yeah. And that kind of segues into like our coolest part of the Saint stuff. Like all the local end and American made is awesome. But our mm. biggest claim to fame is that we're 100% custom. Um, so basically any size skis you want, whether you want tall ones, short ones, skinny, fat powder skis, we can basically make the ski boards if you want something that size. Um, awesome. And also any graphics top and bottom. We can do any kind of photos. We can get art made or do some art for you or upload your own art, uh, your own photos onto the skis and have that. Sure. Um, so you'll have completely personalized stuff, whether it's like some people have pictures of their family and their pets right on their skis. Others are just cool colors that look neat and they'll look good in the photo. Uh, everything in between. Yeah, dude. Like I'm, I'm on the website right now looking at some of what you we've all put out, man. And there is some incredible stuff here. Like, again, there, well, there's one snowboard in particular right here that just looks like it's just wood with, um, uh, uh, a finish on it of some kind. It's just, it looks like a very fancy, what you would see is a very fancy dining room table. It looks gorgeous. Another one, a snowy lighthouse, New England style. Um, this one for you, uh, old school hair metal guys, a pair of Queensryche skis. Are you kidding me? Yeah, those are some of the awesome ones we've done. Like they're like I said, there's so such a variation in the, the styles we can do. Mm. Um, and I was super pumped that you mentioned the one with the lighthouse because that was one I wanted to talk about today. Actually, uh, just sure. the story the story behind that pair is so cool. Um, so yeah, yeah. most of our pair of skis, we design all the graphics and get them digitally done. Uh, we'll have them printed into the top sheet material, and then we can sure. press that right onto the ski. That particular pair you were looking at, uh, it was a ski patrol friend of ours, and he got a hold of us, and he's been helping us out with the company and like promoting us since day one. And he was like, guys, I have this idea. My dad's a painter, and he can do these beautiful like New England seacoast scenes. Can we work mm. that into a pair of skis somehow? So basically, we, we built the core for his skis, and then we sent the core down to his dad's house, and his dad did an oil painting on the core of the skis. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's an original piece of artwork in that ski, and then we put a clear protective top sheet over it to seal it in, keep all the snow and water out, uh, and then finish the ski as a regular pair. So that's a -a one-of-a-kind, completely hand-painted pair of skis. And they're awesome. You head to the the, uh, website, saintskis.com. And then go to the ski slash board section. Not only do you have your ordering information or the beginning of it, there's also a whole gallery of the different uh, stuff they've put together over there that you guys have put together over there. And some of it is just ridiculous. Like, you know, I I would, do you ever get like hater stuff? Like, dude, how, how good can a pair of skis either aesthetically or from a construction viewpoint be from just some small town in New Hampshire, man? These look... These look like they could hold their own against any manufacturer on earth. 
Yeah. So like occasionally based on the looks, because we do build every one of them by hand, uh, they mm. do have their little, not to say imperfections, but when you look at them, you can tell that they're not a, a factory made pair of skis from China, not to knock mm. any of the other big companies, but like when you look at it, you can tell they're handmade. So yeah. occasionally someone will look at them and just from like the judging a book by its cover, they might be like, mm. oh, these don't look quite as, as dialed in and polished as a, a pair of vocal mantras do. But then usually, like like I said, a lot of times we don't really market. We kind of just meet people in person and we, we tell them about our stuff if they're interested. More often than not, we let them jump on a pair of our skis and take them for a test ride for a couple of runs just to see what they think. And yep. then, as you were saying, they hold up against any pair of skis out there, um, Like not just because I make them and I have the company. But at this point, I haven't even really been interested in skiing any other skis in the last over many years since it's been since 2010 that we started building them uh they just okay. they ski that good they're that there's that fun to ride you can dial them into your exact size your weight how much flex you want you can basically just build your dream ski so it, it's really not going to get much better than that that's amazing and, and again stuff promotion there but <laughs> oh i love shameless plugs man plug away i love it um and you have every right to again for folks who are playing along at home Take a look. And again, I keep coming back to that pair with the lighthouse. Gorgeous. The Queensryche skis. Awesome. And, you know, people know I I like the hard, harder rock from that era and everything. So, you know, if it is the louder, the better. Oh, God. Yeah, dude. I I say it all the time. And of of course, I'm ripping off uh, other people, but I'm like, make skiing metal again, man. Like, let's just go back to the old rock and roll days. Um, shout out to electric ski poles out there. Great band. Uh, I love those guys. <laughs> right. How great yeah, electric ski poles are awesome. Yeah. I love them guys. They, uh, if you go back through the, uh, ski Rex media archives, you can find, uh, find an episode of theirs where one of them came on. It's really a lot of fun. And, uh, man, their, their, their album is great. Now the third pair that I keep coming back to, it keeps catching my eye. These things, they're, all black. They have the saint on the top. It almost looks raised, silver. Like these things look like they came. They they would come with a Mercedes or something. Like these are friggin' beautiful. Yeah, those ones were like a, a prototype style we were doing. And for that exact mm. one in the picture, we actually did use like automotive parts. Um, so the <laughs> the letters that were on there were like the raised letters that you put on the back of your car if you were going to spell out Mercedes or Toyota or something like that. Sure. Uh, so you're you're totally right on the raised letters. You know, we actually had some pinstripe, like silver reflective, like chrome pinstripe, basically. Mm. We pressed into the ski as well, um, so that way it had that that shine really sticking through. So we had the kind of that car theme on our mind of like, oh, let's just see if we can make a like the slick black Cadillac kind of deal. Oh yeah, these would look great sitting on uh, like a high end cars rack. Like it, it, again. Because there, there have been what was it uh, last year? The year before was it Aston Martin? Or oh, goodness gracious, I can't remember. Somebody had a set of skis that were like ten thousand a pair or something. I think they even had real gold in them. I don't remember. I remember car- that. I forget who it was. Yeah, something. I mean, awesome, gorgeous. I would never do it, but these are. These look, the, but that these look like they're on that level. Like someone's gonna pull up in their jet black Mercedes or their jet black whatever, and this is what's gonna be shining on top of it. You know, with the nice chrome pinstriping, silver pinstriping. They're, the the work is amazing. They look great. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. It means a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, they they look amazing. And again, when Tully was telling us about it, I was like. I've heard, I had heard of custom manufacturers before, but I didn't know there was one this close and this close with this quality and definitely anything you can want. This, this person's all about Pittsburgh right here. You got the Penguins, the Steelers, the Pirates, (laughs) like the whole nine. Yeah. And that one, I want to say if it's the same pair I'm thinking of, the the pair of it, like one pair is all Pittsburgh gear and the other Mm -hmm. one was all Grateful Dead. That's uh, the one. Like, yeah, which were super fun. Um, and yeah, just anything you can think of. 
the, the real no, the only problem, so to say, is a lot of them come out looking so pretty that most people don't want to see them, and they just end up like hanging them on their wall as as decorations. <laughs> and it's like, I oh, at least that. go ski them a couple times. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> Get two. Buy two pairs, everyone. Get one for hanging right. and one for beating on. <laughs> I'm sure KJ won't mind. Or Friggin go beat awesome. one pair and I'll, I'll tune them up for you after and you'll be all set. Like. There you go. He said it. Rest- restoration. Buy them. Beat the hell out of them. Come back. Get them restored. Put them on your wall. It's beautiful. Um, even with all this done, it says starting at like 1149, 1149. For custom work, that's definitely comparable to other, like, you could buy brand new factory skis for that or more. Exactly. And that was our thought. We kind of figured, like, people are going to go into a shop and drop that kind of money on a pair of skis anyway. Like, if they're looking mm. to spend that kind of money and they, they come across us, like, let's give them a, a really badass pair of skis for that same amount of money. Why not? Kind of just yeah, try to spread the love and keep people out there on some some cool stuff for an affordable price and yeah, and again, they got you covered. Skis, anything you want. Snowboard, anything you want. So we got skiers and riders, ski boarders <laughs> covered. Awesome. Now you got me thinking. Uh, <laughs> this, exactly. This is That's KJ right here. <laughs> KJ, this is you on the on the front page, blue jacket. <laughs> That's me in the uh, the classic red pants that I've had for the last like fifteen years. Um, That's more my trademark than anything is those red checkered pants these days. Um, yeah, man, dude, that, but that just shows how much you're really doing it. Like the ski bum is still, the New England ski bum is alive and well. Uh, <laughs> here he is. Here's one of them. And, uh, you know, we talk to everybody, you know, people ask, you know, some of the guys who listen to Ski Rex Media, like, when do you, when do you wash your pants? And they're like, wash the pants? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> right. It makes them weaker when you wash them. You gotta, you gotta let them sit to keep that waterproofness going. <laughs> And if they're not quite waterproof, what do you do? Duct tape. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's probably it, the biggest man. tool that I keep with me. Always keep a little bit of duct tape wrapped around this heap hole, and you're you're good to go. <laughs> now, I almost wonder, could you make a – or not just look like duct tape along the top sheet, but actually incorporate it somehow? Would that even be possible? Because it would look great, I think. I think it would look fantastic. It would be hysterical. I'm sure it would be possible. It's something that if we're doing something that custom that we've never done before, we're going to run some tests on it and kind of make sure it would be strong enough and up to par before we actually told you like, yeah, we can definitely put duct tape in your ski. Uh, Cause we've yeah. come across a couple materials that like, if there's almost a two ply type material, sometimes it'll split apart and just, it's not up to par and not up to snuff of what we're, what we're looking to put out into the world. But I imagine something like a duct tape, um, at least with the right process of integrating it into the ski. I'm sure we could make something like that a reality. And, and I'm sure you could, and you could definitely fake it. Um, I would, I'm going to guess again, don't know what I'm talking about, but there is vinyl that goes into the graphics and you could print that to look like anything these days. Exactly. We can get like a super glossy, um, really high res picture put right into it. We can even get textured top sheets. Which something for like a duct tape, oh, wow. and get a, a slightly textured top sheet might actually give the that more textured look of a real duct tape, even if we were to print a, a photo of it on there. Uh, we can also get matte, matte style. So if you wanted like a, a not so shiny ski, but still with some cool pictures in it, we can print on that as well. That's friggin' amazing. Like that is so cool. Who knew you could do so much? And I, I guess you kind of should know again. A, to bring cars back around, there's so much you can do with a car, and it, some of that's got to be similar. So you have to be able to do it here. And again, you've done so much. What's are there any on here that or not on here that were cool or maybe a little too risque? Like, what's the limit? Uh, honestly, there's there's pretty much no limit. Um, nice. I've definitely had some. Say so you're getting the if you want to get something really cool made and you're you're that into it and we're we'll try to make it happen for you. Uh, we did nice. one pair that uh, was actually really cool. They were a pair of, of basically like those snow blades, uh, but they were mm-hmm. super fat. I want to say underfoot they were 130 millimeters, which is oh, like wow. the width of yeah, like a lot of powder skis for the East Coast of that for the tip width, and these were that width underfoot. Um, so they're these Holy super smoke. fat. 
giant ski boards. I think they were 120 centimeters long. Um, so they had tons wow. of float for like the, the deeper powder days and stuff. Um, but sure. basically the, what the person wanted on that is they sent us a sketch that one of their friends had done. Uh, and it was mm. just a, a big pot leaf. And we put that on the tip and tail and the rest was all white. Um, and that was the, the entire wow. ski. Um, and basically anything in between. We've had all kinds of all kinds of wild stuff. But. Yeah, well, definitely not surprised someone came came to you with the pot leaf. Uh, marijuana is live and well in ski culture, both skiers and snowboarders. Um, I think we talked about that last season. A group of us. We keep trying. Every time I try it, that episode gets technical issues or something. It, it one of these days oh, I'll get man. it right. <laughs> one of these days one I'll these get days, it right. right? Yeah, I mean, and, well, the funny part about those is, again, it's something I don't know about. Do I know what marijuana is? Yes. Have I been around it? Of course. Do I t- t- use it? No. But almost everybody else does. So I was like, all right, there's something about this, and I have to figure it out. Ski Rex Media, investigative germ- journalism. I think oh, I what you it, got though. going on here. <laughs> I think what you got going on here at Saint is is very cool. Now you said you've been doing it since 2010. Says it out here on the website as well. Um, how many are you doing a year? Like, is it has it ever been to where you can't get it done, or has it been, you know, I don't want to say easy because it's it is hard work, but that you were able to keep up with it or not? Yeah. So historically, it was like our our weekend and night gig that would kind of just do. Every now and then would get a friend or someone would meet at the mountain that would order a pair and would do mm. that. But for the most part, we weren't like, we weren't doing factory work of busting out skis every day or anything like that. Uh, for sure. I'd say we averaged probably six to 10 pairs of skis a year. Uh, mm. for the most part, this past spring, we actually got on, on a news show like New Hampshire Chronicle, uh, which is a New mm. Hampshire WMUR show. And they did a piece on our on both our companies, Saint as well as KJ's Top Notch Tuning. And basically, sure. since that happened, we've not to say exploded, but in the in our realm of things, we've been getting so many more orders. We've been able to make some big upgrades to our our manufacturing process uh, to make the quality even better, as well as the time to deliver uh, greatly shorter than it was before, which is exciting Very for good. us to offer. Uh, so yeah, now like I want to say this past. Two weeks, um, I've been working pretty much full time just down at the Saint shop, and we've put out uh, ten pairs of skis over the last two to three weeks. Wow! Now that's some people would say, "Well, that's ten pairs of skis." Like KJ's not a robot; he's a human <laughs> doing this by hand, so it's going to take him a little longer. But ten pairs—that seems like a—that seems to me like a good amount. It is, and for us, it's it's super exciting because we pretty much started the company as a way of trying to save money on buying our own skis because we were buying so many all the time, just as ski bums yeah. do. And our collections mm-hmm. were getting huge, and we were kind of like, oh, maybe it would be cheaper to, to build a little press and, and make some skis. And then about a year and a half later, and probably 10 or 12 grand into it, we had our first pair of skis, and they sucked. And we were like, oh, no, <laughs> what did we get into? <laughs> Um, and then it was tons of R and D and practicing and testing and torture testing skis. And over the years, then like by 2010, 2011, we were making solid pairs of skis and had like a core group of people that got a couple pairs and were testing them out and giving us feedback. And then since then we've, we've dialed everything in to the point where some of those ones that you're seeing on there now and ones that if you talk to our, our customers that are out there skiing on them, they're, Everyone just thinks the world of these skis, which is so cool to see for something that we make with our own hands. I can imagine it's got to be such a great feeling to, you know, like see it to do it, number one, because it is very, you know, it's interesting work to watch anybody who can build something. Doesn't matter what it is, but specifically for skis here, because Ski Rex Media, it's, it's great to see because not everybody can do it. I don't I can't do it. The best thing I could do for anyone would be to take a two by four, put some rope on it. Like, there you go. That's as close as I can get. But and that's pretty much where it. it all started, though. I mean, that's that's the basis of it all. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. You, you got it. <laughs> you should just start that up. It's like your, your retro ski company, and they're just shaved down two by fours, and you're good to go. That's awesome. Built, you got a baby step up. 
You got to learn. You got to practice. That's so good. That's so good, dude. And again, they look great. And obviously, if you see this picture of KJ, he's just bashing through stuff. So they can take the pounding. Um, they can do everything you need them to do. And you said you would do ski boards. Like you come on here and you see your, you know, your typicals. I can't say typical, but average length skis, average length snowboards, but anything goes. You can get anything you want. You got it. Anything, any width, any length. Uh, we do kids skis too. Like my son actually is helping this weekend. He's going to help us put his own skis into the press and they're matching graphics for my skis for this year. So we can do oh, like cool. fa- father-son skis or brother-sister skis that like kind of go together or whole family spreads that like their whole family puts their skis together and it makes one giant mural across all your skis. Like the sky's the limit. It's, it's so cool. <laughs> That's so cool, man. That is like, that has got to be like a lot of people, you know, talk about being a ski bum and working in the industry and working the job. This has to like tuner, I think is high on the list as well. And then if you're manufacturing and tuning, man, that's the life. People have got to be jealous of you. <laughs> yeah. It's like I said, I don't, I don't see a lot of people because I spend most of my time out in the back country, but I imagine a fair amount of people are jealous because I, I got a pretty sweet life. I'm very thankful for it. And that's just it, kids. Be humble. When you get what you can get, be humble about it and then put out and do good work. And clearly it's good work, hard work. And uh, that everybody can respect that. Nobody can disrespect that. If they do, they're a jerk off. Screw them. But these look fantastic. I love it. Uh, SaintSkis.com, ladies and gentlemen. Go check it out. You might be ready to buy your next pair of skis, and if you already have a pair of Saint, you know, go get them. Go get KJ to to work on them for you if you need it. He'll he'll put your edges back on. He'll put them back together. Shoot, he might have been the one who made them. There's a good chance. And if you got a pair of Saints out there, even if they don't need work, send us some pictures of them because we'd love to see them out there in use. Still, it's we just love seeing our stuff out on the snow. So give us yeah, a shout out. Let us know what you're thinking of them. How much you like them? Where you're skiing on them? Uh, we have a couple of pairs that went out to like Minnesota, I think was the farthest so far. So if anyone's nice. taking them farther out West or anything, let us know. So it'd be so cool to hear about. That would, that, that, that would be, yeah. Let them know guys. Like people, he's not being a narcissist. He's not being egotistical. Just people want to know how well they're doing. And that I get that. That's what I always say. I'm like, how am I going to know if no one tells me same thing? Exactly. Um, Awesome, dude. Anything else you want to get out there before I let you go? Uh, one last little plug that I think you probably got a little taste of it in the, the stickers I sent over to you. But I got the, sure. the Ski Local stickers. That's kind of been my thing I've been handing out for the tune shop for the last couple of years. And the, nice. everyone I've been giving them to loves them. So if anyone out there wants some Ski Local stickers, uh, just give me a shout. I'll send you some in the mail. Uh, that whole thing basically just started... Kind of like you talk a lot about the indie pass, uh, and it's kind of yeah. that same mentality, same mentality that I had. Of just, I really love the a lot of the locally owned places or staying kind of near your town and just finding areas that haven't been skied a ton, and just everyone that's sure. feel, kind of just want the, everyone to feel like a local. So there's so much of that yeah. locals only mentality in the world that this was kind of my shot of like, oh, no matter where you're from, as long as you go somewhere and you're skiing local, cool. So if anyone wants some cool yeah. ski local stickers, just hit me up. I'll shoot them your way. Um, Absolutely. Um, yeah, KJ and I just traded. Um, he's got a, some of the Ski Rex media. In fact, they were featured in one of his reels on Instagram. Go check that out. I shared it with everybody I know, um, even the ones who have no idea what skiing is. Um, me, to get his, I actually just have to go to the post office and stop being a bum. You know, working remotely is fun until you realize you never leave the house, which is stupid for a ski journalist to say. It really is. But get in touch with KJ, saintskis.com for that. KJ's top tuning. Now, do you have a a top-notch tuning? Do you have a website for that or just the social medias? Uh, At the moment, it's under construction. I think by the time this goes live, it should be well back up and running, and it's kjstopnotchtuning.com. And there you go, everybody. So there'll be links for everything in the show notes. Again, follow KJ because he's legit. Again, I've seen, I think you were talking about how you and your son were out in the summertime on the patch at Wildcat. I think you put photos up of that. I saw that. 
Uh, it's the real deal. It's New Hampshire skiing from someone who not only does it, but knows what they're talking about and can build them. How cool is that, dude? Yeah, and we love to just ski all the time. We love to talk skiing. So anyone that wants to give us a shout or shoot us a message just to chat about snow and skiing, we're always up for that because we're just stoked about winter. Um, I can't wait for the snow to fly. No, I can't either, man. I am looking forward to it. We're all going to get outside. And before you do, if you need your stuff put back together and you're in the area up there at Gorham, like I said, I'm thinking about just taking the ride up and letting KJ do the work on my stuff from now on. Just, I just trust it more. Someone I'm talking to, I know it. I know him. I'm in. Up there, KJ's TopNotchTuning.com, SateSkis.com. Links in the show notes. Check that out. Again, if you are driving and listening in the car, wait till you stop before you go on the interwebs. Thank you very much. And of course, go to SkiRexMedia.com for everything you could ever want to know about SkiRex Media. That includes subscribing for updates, asking for stickers. KJ will do it. Send you stickers. I'll send you stickers. Hit us up. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, for me, anything he's on, get them all. Get us all. Collect them all, man. Thanks a lot for doing this, dude. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. This was awesome. Um, can't wait to get out in the snow and ski with you down at Whaleback this winter. Hey, man, if you come down, I'm there. I'm 15 minutes up the road in the first chairs at 2 during the week, so easy peasy. I'll make man. sure I make it down at some point. I'll be there. Sick. Yeah, you'll probably get a little bit more out of it. You're clearly a better skier than I am, but that's fine. Most people are. We'll see you out there, everybody. KJ, thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Have a good one. And there goes KJ. KJ St. Gillet from KJ's Top Notch Tuning and St. Custom Skis and Snowboards. Now, since we've recorded this, we recorded this back at the end of October, and you're listening to it in the last week of November, if you're listening uh, to it when it first debuts. Right now, after that episode, we were talking, we talked for a bit after the episode, which happens fairly frequently with guests. You know, we, we close down the recording and then just keep talking for a bit just to talk about whatever. By now, if you again recorded at the end of October, the episode is now going to be out on the 30th, November 30th, 2022. After that, we started talking about. Saint Custom Skis and Snowboards partnering with Ski Rex Media. And part of that partnership would be a pair of skis for me, which you have heard about. Um, if you've listened to episodes, I've started adding the read for Saint Custom Skis and Snowboards. So I've said I'm a partner. I usually I try to add it. On the new episodes that I'm recording, I added at the beginning with the whaleback read. And like this one. That's a little older. I had it here at the end. Plus, I think it works here at the end since KJ and I were talking. And boom! Ski Rex Media, St. Custom Skis and Snowboards, partnered up, sponsored. I will be riding a pair of St. Custom Skis this season. They are awesome. I have actually posted some of the graphics that we've come up with and what they're going to look like. And it's going to be kind of sick. So, St. Custom Skis and Snowboards, saintskis.com. Check that out. KJ's Top Notch Tuning, kjstopnotchtuning.com. All the links will be in the description per usual. Check them out. I love them. You're going to see me talking about them throughout the season because I will be riding a pair of St. Skis. Also, as I've said, head to skirexmedia.com for everything, including a way to sign up for updates. Um podcast merch when i re you know relaunch the merch I, I always you know what the merch is cool people buy it but there's something it, it, I, I need to do it start again I, I, I just need to change a few things you, you'll see when i get it done so check that out subscribe obviously everywhere you want to um whether it be on social media twitter instagram facebook and linkedin or the just the podcast use the podbean app you can subscribe there. Um, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, whether it be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, um, uh, uh, Pandora, whatever it is. Follow, share, subscribe, rate it where you can. I've had five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts, so if you haven't rated the Ski Rex Media Podcast yet, please do so. I think that is it for this episode. Again, saintskis.com. Check the link for uh, check the description for all the links. Again, always do that when you're not in the car. And I will see you out there. Also, the, earlier this week, the heroic 
Killington Cup, the FIS World Cup women's slalom and giant slalom took place this past weekend, Black Friday weekend, Thanksgiving weekend for us here in the States. And I was there. I was going to put up something for that. And I did. So check that out as well. Right. That was my first time doing media behind the scenes, real media work at a race like this. So that should be pretty cool. And also stay tuned for other guests. Seth Ehrlich with SOS Outreach returns to the program with a guest of his own. Um, we've secured Stuart Winchester. He's going to do an episode. And pro skier, filmmaker, and artist Chris Benchettler is also going to be on the program coming up. That's what you have to look forward to running us up into, I think, right up to Christmas, right up to the Christmas break, right? Right. In any case, I am Tim from Ski Rex Media. Thank you for listening once again, and I will see you out there. The season's off to a decent start. It would seem in places. Let's see if we can keep it going. Laters. <laughs>